People have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're going to cite a source, be responsible. You know, cite your source. Your longest college. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to set your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girlfriend. And that about sums it up. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. The show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? Hola. Yeah, we got a fancy yeah, countdown in the beginning. It was only 100 seconds, and we only had two people watching by the time it was done, so maybe I need to extend it. Maybe we, need, maybe we should start the countdown five minutes early. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? <laughs> uh, this shows where my head's been because, uh, yeah... Uh, so basically, what has happened is um, our show has mainly moved over to a live YouTube stream, which is great. We really enjoy it. Uh, but uh, I off I forgot to start the stream on the radio. So oh well, I, I apologize to everyone out there on TR Radio. Uh, yeah. Well, what up and shalom to everybody in the chat room. We got people trickling in the war room, whatever we want to call it, the round table. <laughs> uh, the high council maybe that's what we should call it <laughs> uh, okay well what up rob how's it going man what have you been up to i haven't talked to you in a little while we talked very briefly yesterday but what's been going on it's been a week um well we're wrapping up spring quarter we are preparing for numbers of things and uh, you know yeah I got that's uh, it. That's that's kind of the world. Yeah. Okay. Can, can I whine at you for a few seconds? Let me whine, whine. at you and, yes, and everybody sure. uh, in the chat room. So you know we get we get emails quite quite often, and we're very thankful for the emails that come in, and, and they help us uh, they help us move the show in the way that it should go. And uh, we often get emails saying uh, things like, uh, you know, oh your your sound is is horrible. Uh, you know, Rob's sound is too quiet, you know, all these kind of things. So uh, people in the chat room, please let me know if the levels are off. This is, this is not as easy as, as people might think it is. In fact, uh, Andre, when he was in here a couple shows ago for the, uh, for the interview, uh, he said he couldn't believe the, uh, like how big of a production this whole thing is. You know, I got boards, I got you can't see it because I've I've made it that way. But today I actually got a brand new light, and it's a it is a huge like movie production light. It's a huge box, and uh, so now I got light. You so know that'll that'll help with sound. <laughs> no, but I mean what I'm saying is is that <laughs> thank you. Yes, what <laughs> what I'm what I'm trying to say is that uh, you know to make it look like uh, like it's no you know just me sitting in my office really actually takes a lot. <laughs> it would not look like this, uh, you know, if I just sat there's down and pressed play. There's a lot of, right, there's a lot of uh, 
detailed planning and, uh, you know, technical prowess behind the, the scrappy nature of our show. And Philip says, I might regret the lights in the, in the summer. That is, trust me, I regret the lights in the winter. Dude, this light right here is so hot. If it's cold in the winter, I turn that light on and boom, my office, yep, my office in my Cludio. I, I think that this, uh, I think that this constitutes a Cludio. It's a little bit, it's, it's a, about twice the size as my, of my wife's walk-in closet. So it's, it's somebody's closet. My closet studio. Okay. Well, what up in a shalom to everybody in the chat room. We got a good group in there now. And uh, hello and shalom to everybody out there in Radio Land. And of course on YouTube, we're so happy that everybody's with us. We have exciting news and we're going to uh, get to that in just a second. Let's first say, uh, get some of these things out of the way. Um, first of all, uh, the Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. And go to Tor Resource and find all sorts of great articles and books, videos, DVDs. Get a library membership for uh, under eight dollars and forty cents. It's eight dollars and thirty-two cents a month for a uh, for a library membership. Then you have access to all of our digital files all the time. Uh, by the way, I, I changed the color of our banners. Uh, yeah, that's something I did today. Okay, and uh, also don't forget to give us a call. Our comment line is two five three four six five thirty two zero five. You won't talk to us. Uh, you will just get a recording and and uh, and be able to tell us how much you like us or hate us or agree or disagree or whatever. And I I, I do have to say this: if you're going to uh, leave comments on uh, on YouTube, be civil. All right, that's the other thing I have to say. And of course, now here's some exciting news: show number one seventy seven. That's what show this is. Show number one seventy seven is also brought to you by. Chava Messianic Radio. Go to www.messianicradio.com. Boy, you know I'm, I'm. We're humbled that uh, Judah has, has uh, produced, helped produce this show, and uh, some might think to themselves, "Wait, isn't Chava Messianic Radio and Torah Resource Radio aren't you know? Wouldn't that be a conflict of interest?" I say no, and the reason why is because uh, we're hitting on two different spectrums. Uh, Torah Resource Radio is more to bring uh, lectures and teachings and whatnot, shows like this, uh, to a listening audience, whereas Chava Messianic Radio, and we'll talk about this for a few seconds, because what Jude has done at Chava uh, is is really an amazing thing. I, I'm not positive. I think that uh, that Judah is actually a, uh, a computer programmer, uh, but no matter what he is, he certainly has uh, created quite a website, because it's like... It's like Pandora on steroids and for messianic music. It's really cool. You can skip, you can request specific songs and listen to it. It's not like a radio station. It's like a on-demand play. You can put things in your favorites. It's, it is a really, really cool uh, um, website. And so if you like, if you like listening to uh, messianic music, uh, then, of course, you can go to messianicradio.com. Check out Chava Messianic Radio, and a big thank you to them for uh, producing, helping produce this show. Um, okay, and do I have anything? Oh, yeah, of course. And last but not least, you can always send us an email, chagatorresource.com, and we rely on your emails and your thoughts on our shows for uh, to, to create content for the shows that we, uh, that we produce. And uh, we've produced how many of them now? 177. This is 177. Um, so, yes, we are we are very happy. And look, look at that. Erna Draper has finally made it 
into the chat room. And we, woohoo! We've been, we've been waiting for Erna to, to enter our chat room for a long time, and there she is. Welcome. Okay. So last week we talked about what, oh, okay. Yeah. Hang on. Let me, let me, uh, let me rather get to my show notes. Okay. So now that we've gotten all the uh, basics out of the way, uh, let's actually start with a, a, an email that we, we received. And this is from a, uh, lady named Melinda. She asks in a previous show, you and Rob dis- discussed the view that Luke slash Axe may have been written by a Gentile. I don't know if we really discussed, I mean, yes, we brought it up. There was no actual thought put into, uh, you know, the, the argument one way or the other that we were attempting to make. Um, I shouldn't say thought. There was no, uh, there was no, we didn't study it out, in other words. Okay. Anyway, she says, uh, I wanted to know if you and Rob thought Luke might be the most Jewish of the Gospels specifically because it, that is, and Acts, are addressed to Theophilus, the high priest at the time, and both com- communicate knowledge of temple service. Uh, this is an interesting question, and I think it's one that can't be answered definitively by anyone. Theophilus could have been a name of just about anyone. Um, whether or not he's uh, writing to the high priest or not, uh, that could certainly be debated. Whether or not he's the most Jewish of the uh, authors, we know that Luke's Greek is certainly the best Greek. At least that's what I've been told. My Greek is not good enough to be able to tell whether or not it's the best Greek or not. Rob could inform us on that. Well, it's just a style. It's his best. What is it? Does that mean that, you know, Luke is better Greek than John? It's just, it's a different use of the language and it's, it's more technical, right? Luke uses some kind of technical terms, um, and he's framing it very specifically. He goes all the way back. Uh, well, not only is it because Luke Acts is really one giant book work yeah. that's two yeah. volumes. So just in and of itself, the nature of Luke Acts uh, separates itself from the other uh, early testimonies we have. But um, he, you know, he frames it very much in terms, as maybe Melinda is thinking about, um, starts right off with, the, the priesthood, right? Talks about Zechariah and his wife and how she was barren, etc. His participation in uh, the the priestly courses, right? When it was his, mm. his uh, turn and um, that they walked in all the commandments of the Lord. Um, so Luke from the get-go orients um, the reader of, the, of his work in the core of the religion of, of Israel, right? The core, the priesthood, um, prayer at the time of the, of the incense, you know, all this stuff. Um, and then goes on through Luke and through Acts at, and points out key, like Acts chapter two, as we, you know, Shavuot or Pentecost, you know, there's all these holidays that are, that are mentioned along the way. So I would say, yeah, it's very, Judaically framed uh, in a in a real uh, precise, comprehensive way that maybe does set it apart. Um, See, well, I think I think that each gospel, each one of the four gospels has a sp- specific. Uh, uh, I it, it, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Uh, maybe they. Well, what hit, does Jewish mean? What is Jewish? Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I know, think that I mean, that, I, that's really. That's I, I mean. I, I like I like what the uh, high council is is saying here uh, that uh, Philip says that uh, he 
he says, I find it fun to suggest John's gospel, the, the most Jewish. Actually, I, I do suggest that often, and, and one of the reasons why is because since John is, is uh, writing a bit later, um, not only was he a firsthand witness to the, the events that went on, so he brings a, a different perspective. He writes to an audience that does seem to be uh, to know the lingo, and uh, also it seems as though John's gospel is written specifically to uh, combat uh, theological issues. I, I, I think it's been suggest. I agree with the suggestion that he's uh, really combating a lot. A lot of his gospel is combating uh, the rise of Gnosticism at the end of the first century. Um, uh, I know that that could be debated, but uh, I, I, I kind of agree with that uh, hypothesis. Uh, Luke, he he's really coming at it from a historical point of view, and although John's uh, Last Supper. Uh, it spans many more chapters because John is is he takes uh, he takes Yeshua more of his teaching right within the Last Supper like what was said at the Last Supper as opposed to Luke who is more giving us uh, historical events. I actually like the flow of of Luke's uh, Last Supper narrative probably the most out of all the Gospels. However, each one each one of the Gospels. Uh, kind of brings a new, sheds light in a new way from a different perspective on what's going on in, in the various stories. So um, I once again, I don't think that we could give any kind of a definitive answer to whether or not uh, Luke was was speaking to the high priest or anything like that. Um, no matter what, it certainly is uh, one of my favorite books in, in the 66, the book of Luke and Acts. I haven't studied nearly as much of Acts as I have of Luke. Okay, so unfortunately, I don't think that we can really, really speak uh, to that. You know, whether whether uh, the other aspect of that is was Luke Jewish or was he Gentile? I remember hearing I've heard people say, "Oh, he was the only Gentile author," and I've never found like where people like how do we know that and can we know that? Um, I don't think we can. Um. Yeah, it, it comes down because to hypothesis. It's, hypo a, it, it's it, a non-issue. It's a non-issue for Luke. It comes down to hypothesis, right? Well, but it's a non-issue for him. He's, I mean, he's telling. Could you imagine being Luke? Let's let's explore that that he's a Gentile, and let's explore the idea that the Torah is not for Gentiles. Well, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's totally uh, his whole thought world, his whole conception of the gospel, as we just talked about, is deeply, deeply rooted and framed within the like I said the religion of Israel right the Torah yeah. the the priesthood and all these things um, so yeah I don't I uh, but if anybody knows like oh this is how you can prove Luke is a Gentile I, I'd be interested in in hearing your your position on that or or the evidence that you have okay let's move on uh, Rob asked he had a request this uh, this week to do to revisit one of our old segments, and that is Rob's Gematria, because apparently Rob has found some significant meaning in the number one seventy-seven. Um, so let's just uh, let's let's go go for it. It's Rob's Gematria. Go for it. Okay, this is show one seventy-seven, and. 
today we have four important words pertaining to this number in the Hebrew language. <laughs> okay, the go for it. first is Malach Elohim. Malach Elohim. That is like the messenger of God. Mm-hmm. Another is Adon HaAdonim, Lord of the Lords. Still yet another that Gematria is 177. Gan Eden, Garden of Eden, Gan Eden. And finally, right out of Psalm 1, Yomam Valayla, day and night, from Psalm 1, Yomam Valayla. These all uh, in, in of themselves add up to 177. So if we were if we were hardcore Kabbalists, we would take these and, you know, make a story pertaining to our show today and that there would be some sort of cosmic connection with it all. The Can I add? Is, can, okay, the thing is, there are so many other words that add up to 177. The reason I just thought it'd be fun to do this uh, is because it's highly, it's selective, right? I go through all these things that add up to 177. I just select ones that... That you like. That I choose, right? So it's highly selective. We do this tongue-in-cheek, not because we are believers in this kind of, uh, as if there's some sort of uh, mystical significance here. That's it? That's it? Okay. Okay. Let me move my show notes, because now my... uh... My microphone is in the way. Okay. Um, so moving on. That was kind of that was kind of a letdown, wasn't it? No, not at all. I always like your uh, your your gematrias. Uh, because t- to be honest with you, one of the reasons that I like you doing your gematrias is because it reinforces to me how ridiculous it is that people put any weight into gematria. Because, like you said, it's. I mean, it's. You, you select. It's, you, it's selective. selective. Yeah, you choose what you, you want. I only show the things I want according to what I want it to look like. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, can we put modern words into? Can you put modern words in as well? You yeah, should. Of you should. You should always choose a couple that are like strong coffee or <laughs> <laughs> bicycle tire. I I don't know. You know, like I think I think uh, Sus Adom. Which is Red Horse. I think Red Horse was one of them. Sorry, I put up the wrong banner. There's our comment line. People can call us and tell us how wrong we are about Gamatria. All right, 253-465-3205. Let's move on. Um, now, this is going to be uh, uh, kind of a follow-up. And, and actually, all of our stuff kind of relates to uh, the same topic that we had last week. There was a piece of me that actually thought about just sitting down and I'll recap last week in just a few seconds, but sitting down with the book of Galatians and just starting, starting to read through it. Because that wouldn't I, be the Robin Caleb show. That would be a Galatian. Robin Caleb read Galatians. <laughs> that could be a new show. <laughs> that could be our second show each, each, each no, it's week. Like, it's just like a new, it's like a new spinoff. It's like, <laughs> like, okay. and what we do is we pick like, the Amplified Bible, or no, no, we read like read the message. <laughs> oh no, Robin Caleb, read the message. Oh my word. Okay, and then okay. we just talk about it. This is a bad week. idea altogether. Okay, so last week, let's recap. Last week, last week we we looked at at Paul in general, and the, basically, I think this is ob- <laughs> what. What about, what about the, the did? Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, no, let's Robin, not. Okay. 
vote if you well, if you would like a show that's Rob and Caleb read the Dinache. Let's not. Let's okay. not. It would have to go through. <laughs> I can see you getting giddy already, though. Okay, so last week, let's let's recap. We we looked at uh, Paul as as an overview of what the implications would be if some if our Christian brothers and sisters who claim that uh, Paul preached the law was done away with, what the implications of that would actually be. And obviously, the main implication is that uh, it seems as though he would be contradicting. A, a significant portion of scripture that is the Tanakh, the Old Testament, as well as many, many, many places in the apostolic scriptures or what is known as the New Testament. So, uh, and, and we talked about how someone can't come along and say that the scripture that we have is wrong and follow them. Otherwise we'd follow people like Muhammad or Joseph Smith and whatnot. No, the, the scriptures are a rock. They're a measuring stick. And therefore, Paul can't come along and say that uh, something in them was wrong. And so there are significant problems. There's, uh, there's a lot of implications that are built off of the idea that Paul himself spoke against the Torah. Now, if you'd like to hear more in depth about that, then go back and listen to our show 176. You can find it, obviously, on the Robin Caleb show, uh, show YouTube channel. Um, or in our archives on TorahResource.com. So we've had some people that have suggested maybe we should write a book that would explain all of the difficult Paul, parts of Paul. And this actually came, this this uh, topic that we're hitting on right now actually came out of, of uh, Rob's head. Uh, but... I'll frame this just a, a little bit. You know, I've done mission work uh, for, for the Mormons. Not for Not the for Mormons. <laughs> Not for the Mormons. I've, I've attempted to help bring, that, more, yeah, yeah. bring them out of Mormonism into evangelical That's, Christianity. I'm going to get that sound bite. Yeah, gonna... I can imagine. That, yeah, okay. Um, so. Caleb Haig, exposed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Closet Mormon. Yes. Um, so uh, I've, I've spoken extensively, and I think I s spoke last week about some of the uh, travels that I had down to Manti, Utah, in the hope uh, that uh, we would be able to convert some people from Mormonism uh, back to evangelical Christianity. There were two kinds of people. Uh, there were the people who didn't really know Mormon theology very well maybe they had gone on their mission a long time ago they had some of the, some of the stock answers but they were really actually now talking about theology what they what they believed and there was never a conversation that was the same with them there was never you know it wasn't like it, it, and we see this in 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 uh hebrew roots or tor the torah movement as well but there wasn't the stock answers like there was with the current missionaries and or bishops. So somebody would get uh, stuck, you know, and they would see their bishop walking by and they say, oh, oh, bishop, bishop, come here, please. I don't know how to answer this guy. Okay, now as soon as that kind of scenario happened, I had to switch modes. And the reason I had to switch modes is because I had been trained for months and months and months on the stock answers. You're going to say this verse. And then the missionary or the bishop is going to re respond with this verse. 
And then you respond with this verse and then they'll respond with this. And then you say this, and that's going to put them in a corner. That, I mean, these were the kind of things that we had to memorize. It's a, it's a, in other words, it's a pattern of what they call predictable speech. It's yeah. Like, I'm gonna, it's like you, these five dominoes are going to fall, and you just need to be ready for yeah. it. And then, okay. So, but the problem was is that uh, the Mormons, adapt, they, they were like the Borg in Star Trek. They adapted you know, they learned. You, they learned. Exactly. You, you give them you give them that stock answer a couple of times and all of a sudden everyone around they it's like your playbook. Right? They, yeah, they, they talk they, to the hive and then everybody knows that that's going on. And now they have a new answer and you have to, you know, now you have to try to shoot new torpedoes at them or whatever. Um, I feel like that. Race. I feel like this is a little bit of what we're getting into in the in the Torah movement. Somebody's going to bring up Galatians 3. And what you're going to do is then you bring up Matthew 5, 17 and following. And then they're going to bring up this and you bring up Romans 3, 31. And then, you know, back and forth. And I think that that is honestly one of the wrong ways to approach the scriptures. Because I think that what, what is happening is we're, we're coming at Paul. We're reading a different person than mainstream Christianity. And what I mean by that is mainstream Christianity is reading a Paul that is a preacher from the 20th century. That's how they're thinking about it. They're letting all of these ideas that have already come up in the church inform them on how to read Paul. Instead of doing what I believe we're attempting to do, what we're attempting to do, whether or not we're doing it well or not, that could be debated. But what we're attempting to do is to place Paul back into first century Judaism. Now, of course, I'm using very, very broad brushstrokes here, and that doesn't always work because you do have some very good Christian scholars, that scholars that I'm standing on the shoulders of, uh, like N.T. Wright, E.P. Sanders, Jimmy Dunn, all these guys who have who have really tried and in many cases have done very good at placing Paul back into the first century uh, context. Not fully, I don't believe. I don't think they've gone far enough. So what are your thoughts on this, Rob? No, I, I agree uh, on that last point you made, too, uh, benefiting from scholars. You know, we use um, just one I came up the other day is is Dr. Bill Mounts or William Mounts. We use his top-notch Greek, um, first-year Greek material. We use his Greek reader, his graded reader, Um has done such a, a great job. He's such a wonderful teacher, easy to listen to, etc., and has provided all these wonderful resources for learning Koine Greek, learning New Testament Greek, as they call it. Um, uh, and but on the other hand, I was reading his commentary on was it Thessalonians or Titus? His commentary on Titus, and I was just like, oh my, you know, he um, he is making these claims basically rooted in the, the position that you're, you're generalizing here of that somehow the law is done away is now those weren't, aren't Dr. Mounts's words specifically, but in essence, that's the principle that, that you can see unfolding in his um, explanation of these passages of scripture, like to the pure, all things are pure, right? Etc. Um, which he takes as to those who are pure at heart, all things are ritually pure. So now he's changed the, the pure means something different in the A line and the B line, and that it 
pertains to the elimination of any this category of ritual purity, which is just so problematic in so many ways. But you know, we we do have to focus. I'm I'm still glad that Dr. Mounts learned the the skills he had and became the teacher he is, because I benefited and I know many people who have benefited from his labors. And so he did have to narrow and specialize and specialize and specialize and excel um, in order to to become that in terms of bearing that kind of fruit for the kingdom. On the flip side, in my perspective, there is a what we would call maybe an institutional bias against. It might be that he's never really sat down with with someone to talk about this specific issue. I don't know. I don't know him, so I, I can't speak personally. But um, so a couple things I take for that: a, I have my own blind spots, but b, I do want to. Uh, I, I benefit from you know, like you say, we stand on the shoulders of, of scholars who've gone before us. But we also need to be able to ask questions uh, and, um, and challenge them. Now, this gets back to if I can say, you know, someone quotes. Galatians 3, and then you quote Matthew 5 or something. That has to happen within one individual, too. It's not yeah. like I just read Galatians, Caleb, and you read Matthew 5, and we're each in our own little world. I'm in my little world, Galatians 3, right? E- each one of us uh, have have that challenge, and that could be within the Torah, too, right? We have that with the word gare, right, For in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Well, wait a minute. Does the gare, can the gare eat the, the torn meat or not? Or do you know? And and your dad did a really good job in the beginning of uh, his book, Fellow Heirs, which is an excellent book, of describing that situation. What do we do when we have verses that seem to, at first glance, not fit in the same puzzle? Right? How this puzzle piece doesn't even seem like it goes in the same uh, picture. How does this work? So that's a challenge for us, not just between Paul and Matthew, but it could be between Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It could be between Isaiah and, uh, I don't know, Genesis. I'm just making stuff up here. Um, So there's nothing inherently wrong, I guess, just to boil all that down. There's something important, I should say, in the design of the Scriptures that causes us to dive deeper. We, We have to want it, right, that God made it that way to separate wheat from chaff. You have to want it. Um, and what we see in our day-to-day, though, we see people who are just, well, I don't really need Paul. I have the Torah. And, well, I, and I'm, I'm willing to question whether I need Paul at all because I'm, I'm a judge, you know. And often these people are people that are, are dealing, they're setting themselves up to, to judge that they don't think this should be in the Bible, but they themselves are not even having a first-person relationship with the text they're not having they don't have first knowledge first-hand knowledge of the text themselves by learning the language but what they do is they're taking all this secondary second-hand information translations is a second-hand information that's mm-hmm. important a translation is second-hand info i'm gonna how much of my castle am i building on second-hand information um anyway i'm i'm kind of expanding this out uh caleb well, okay. Focus a little. Well, focus. I, I want to. I want to come back to the idea of how we how we read Paul. I agree with you completely at what you're saying, but there's several things that we need to keep in mind as as Torah pursuant believers. Okay, we need to keep in mind that 
there are people who are reading Paul from the what I consider the twenty the 20th century pre- preacher in the pulpit that Paul was that kind of a person. They're interpreting him through the lens of, of 20th century Christianity and 21st century Christianity. Then there's us who are viewing Paul as, or we're attempting to view Paul as a first century Jewish teacher. And then there's a new group that's that's uh, gaining a lot of a lot of people within the the Hebrew roots and the and the Torah uh, the Torah movement. And that is people who are still interpreting Paul from a Christian perspective, but want to keep Torah. And so instead of realizing that they are the ones with the problems in interpreting text, what they're doing is they're saying, we need to challenge Paul against the Torah. But that's ridiculous. And Rob's off in the chat room now. I've lost him. Oh, I said... <laughs> Gary says we're up to 41. I said we need to kick five people out. <laughs> Got to get down to 36. But do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, we're seeing these people who are are uh, now rejecting Paul. It's like Monty Judah wanting to reject the book or of Hebrews. It, right. Yeah. I've seen people. Well, it, I have to evaluate. I have to take everything Paul says and compare it to the Torah and decide whether I'm going to agree with Paul or not. In other words, for there's a, there's people I know that. For Paul is not canon. They don't. They don't have a. They don't have a comprehensive idea of the canon of, of scripture and as that, preserved providentially. Yeah. What they'll say is, well, here's this tree is the canon. I, I'm willing to cut the branch of Paul off if it means I'm going to save the root. Have you met that? Yes. And and th- th- but that's that's one of the biggest problems is that you have people in the 21st century who are now attempting to uh, challenge the canon. If you don't have the canon well in mind, then guess what? You don't have a base. You don't have something to stand on. What are you going to accept? What are you not going to accept? And this is, I mean, the people who, uh, the guy who has uh, done work, if that's what you can call it, on the on the Et Sefer Bible, I mean, this guy is all over the place. He's attempting to add. That's, that's what we call secondhand information yeah. gone, gone nutso and with marketing money, with marketing dollars. Yeah. Um, so, so my suggestion is this, you know, I, I think it is good to try to prepare, uh, to be able to talk to our, our friends and our family about, about the difficult parts of Paul and what we would consider the difficult parts of Paul. How do we reconcile Paul against the rest of scripture? However, at the same time, I think that one of the biggest issues that we're running into is the mindset of how we approach Paul. And this is going to segue really well into, um, our, our next topic. And this is because we have... Uh, someone, and what is his name? Did I grab his name? I didn't. No, it's in your show notes. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, this this preacher, he's uh, he preaches at a Baptist uh, church. We I've actually been contacted from people at his congregation asking about some of the teachings that he's made. Um, and he's... He's pretty out there in, in some of what he's, uh, what he's suggesting. But if you listen to these clips... I think you realize that what he's doing is he is trying to interpret all of Scripture through Paul. And that's not the way that we have to do it. We have to interpret Paul through the rest of Scripture, right? Just like we would read Matthew. I mean, exactly. It's it's We're not reading Paul. I, I Okay, let me, I can just talk about myself. I don't read Romans or Galatians or Philippians or whatever uh, uh, to judge whether or not I agree with it. That's not my attitude 
coming to it. Sure. But on the other hand, I don't read it. I, I, it's a complex issue. God gave us amazing intellectual and emotional capacities. He wants us to bring all of it to bear in our pursuit of truth and pursuit of him. It's got a, we get, It's like the treasure in the field. Do we sell everything we have so we can go buy that field and so we have that treasure? That's what we get down to. And so one aspect, yeah, I want to read Galatians in and of itself as an independent letter from Paul. Try to understand what I can about the situation of the letter. But on the other hand, I also read it from the biblical canonical view. I, it's both of those. And those those lead you down different perspectives, but that's how you get the whole the whole perspective. You get a map that is uh, more and more um, reflective of reality, right? If we're walking around with maps, like if I go to if I go to Israel, but I have a map of the UK, and I'm like, <laughs> "Where's London?" Right? And I'm like trying to look at the roads. Have you seen right? Big that's, Ben around here? <laughs> Yeah, that's exact. That's like that's way exaggeration. But the point is, but then let's say I get a map that's a hundred years old of Israel. So now at least you're in I'm, the realm. I'm closer, but the problem is a lot of stuff has changed over the last hundred years in the in the territory. So my map. So we get more and more. That's what we're like. We're like each of us. We have maps, and then there's the reality, the terrain, and. God is, he says, he's rav chesed ve'emet, abounding, abounding in, in chesed and truth, loving kindness and truth. Meaning when he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, right? But truth, in other words, it, I, it, I don't benefit from a lie. If I have a, if I have a bad map of the world, yeah. that map is a lie. It's not going to help. And, and what, who, who, who benefits from me walking around with a map that's not mapping, ma- uh, connected with the reality, you know, with reality? So as a disciple of Yeshua, we grow and grow and grow to our maps become more and more precise, more and more uh, calibrated to the facts of the matter. And that's what pursuing truth is. See, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because this comes back to what I was trying to get to, which is that the best way to prepare for these for these kind of conversations where you know that the, that Paul's going to be used in ways that he pro- he's not he shouldn't be used in and, and uh, so on and so forth is not to try to have stock answers. Although I mean there are some good uh, there are some good things to learn. Okay, if somebody says this, well you're going to have to go to these verses to show that that's not true. Obvious that that happens no matter what in, in uh, debate and conversation, okay? But the best way to prepare for these kind of conversations is actually just through study of the Word. Exactly, exactly. D- diving into the Word. Know it. Know it forward and backward. Yeah. Know the reason for the hope that is within you, which means yeah. you have to—and and that's something you can't fake. Yeah, right? exactly. You're either really a disciple of Yeshua— Or you're not. resurrection life that is in you, and you're being—remember— what it says in Proverbs, Gary will remind me that ner um, mitzvah, uh, right? The 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 commandment is a, a lamp, Torah or, and then uh, and then derechayim tehuchot musar. Sorry, my my memory is not as quick as it should be. We a light to my path. Yeah. Light. yeah, we have we have the Torah is light, but. But the way of life, the derech is, is the reproofs of 
of Musar, discipline. In other words, we're, we're shaped as disciples along the way. And if you're really a disciple of Yeshua, if you are really, uh, you cry out, Abba, Father, then he's going to correct you. Yeah. Right? He's, and you will have that in your life. You will know, yeah, I, yeah, th- that's where I got a spanking. That's where I got a, a slap on off the top of my head. That's where he kindly helped me out of a situation. You know what I mean? You're going to see that in your own life. And you're going to see a very real uh, growth and maturing in your own life that will parallel your what you see in the scriptures. You're going to see the scriptures more and more reality with who you are. And for, when you're coming from that from that relationship, that's you're able to articulate well the hope that is within you. And and your your map is going to be more closer to reality than the person who is coming to Paul with a map of like what Caleb like I way I'm just to use our both of our metaphors together. It's like their map is 20th century preacher, right? That's their map, and they're trying to read Paul. And every once in a while, light will get through, and they'll think that they're they'll get enough feedback to think they're actually in the oh, right yeah. place when they actually don't realize no. You've got a map to the UK and, and you're walking around in Israel. Um, you've got a map to a 20th century preacher and you're talking about a, a first century Pharisee. But isn't that where we, I mean, I think that's where the arguments are, are best to come in is, okay, let's look at Paul for, for, who, for who Paul was in his context. I think that's really where, where ideas start to change. Okay, uh, it should be noted, for those who don't know, Rob has another show. Uh, he and Gary Springer, uh, another another teacher at Torah Resource Institute, uh, do a conversational commentary on the book of Proverbs, and this is uh, where the reference to Proverbs came from. Um, and so if you would like to listen to that, it's only in podcast format right now. We're going to try to change that soon. Um, but if you'd like to listen to it each week, you can listen to it on Torah Resource and Torah Resource Radio, uh, you can go into the library, I believe. Anyway, you can listen to it on Torah Resource Radio, and there is a uh, schedule under our radio tab. So check out Rob and Gary's uh, Mishle. It's called Mishle, which means Proverbs. Um, okay, so let's transition now into this pastor. Man, I wish I would have grabbed his name, and I apologize for not. I'll have it next week, and it's in your show notes, I think. Um, so... Uh, well, let's just listen to him. Let's let's let him frame this. I had never heard uh, this argument before, and I think that this is going to yeah. I mean, this was sent in by Miguel Miguel Miguel. I, I yeah, I have a hard time with his name. Uh, and and thank you very much for sending this in. This is a, a good uh, a good video to to look at, an, an interesting one. Um, so here we go. Because the Bible doesn't actually use, if you notice in those passages, it doesn't say repent of sins, it says repent. And so what is biblical repentance? Now again, when most people today say that you have to repent of your sins, what they're literally meaning is that you have to turn from your sins in order to be saved. That you have to repent of those sins as in to turn from those sins and not sin anymore and then believe the gospel or that you have to at least be willing to turn from your sins or that you have to at least cease from known habitual sins in order to be saved. So they add these requirements of repenting of sin or turning 
from sin as a condition of salvation, whereas the Bible isn't talking about that when it says repent. So we're going to get into a little bit of how these passages like Matthew 4.17 and Matthew 3, where John the Baptist and Jesus say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're going to talk about a bit what that means. So in other words, they're saying that if you're a fornicator, then you have to stop fornicating in order to get saved. And there's preachers like Ray Comfort who'll say things like this, like go and turn from your sins and then come back when you're ready to come to Jesus and to get saved. Or that if you're an adulterer, that you have to break off that adulterous relationship before you can get saved. And while those things are things that you most definitely should do, because they're wicked things, if we had to stop sinning to be saved, that would be a works-based gospel. Okay, If we have to turn from our sins to be saved, that's essentially saying that you have to keep the law in order to be saved. Okay, so this is actually interesting because now what this preacher has done, and uh, I'm sorry to the chat room who uh, apparently I've tried. <laughs> I totally get it. I was just That's so hard to listen it to. It is hard to listen to. Um, but but what's interesting about the end of this clip, the the clip that I that I I clipped it obviously. But the, what's interesting, I wanted to hi- highlight exactly what he says at the end. So he makes this not just about a workspace gospel, but he he makes this about going back under the Mosaic law. And this is one of the things that we hear a lot when we when we uh, are in discussions with uh, what I would consider mainstream Christianity about the Mosaic law is that. What we're trying to do as as Torah pursuant believers is we are, according to them, we're trying to put ourselves back under the law. And one of the big uh, uh, arguing points on uh, from the mainstream Christian side is is that this discounts what Christ did on the cross, right? Uh, that Christ came to free us from the law, and therefore, if we are putting ourselves back under the law, then we are really spitting in the face of Yeshua on the cross, right? These are the kinds of things that I've, I've heard before. Um, so I just want to, one last time, let's... ...that you have to keep the law in order to be saved. Okay, so, so he's saying that you have to keep the law in order to be saved. So he's equating the idea of repentance, that is turning from sin. He's saying that that's not repent- what repentance is, because... If repentance was turning from sin, then this would be a workspace law. What's interesting, and I pulled this clip too, I think it's in the next clip. He talks about, and I know that we have people who hold to Arminian theology or uh, a free will theology, however you want to say it, in the chat room and listening to us right now. So uh, stick with me for a second. But this person, this preacher seems to be on an, on the extreme, right? He, he seems to be going to the extreme of certain issues. And one of the things that he's doing is he's only seeing, he's only reading the Bible from, from his perspective of who Paul was. So he's reading everything through the lens of several verses that he's chosen and, and instead of taking the Bible as a whole. And this is kind of the point that we were making earlier about Paul and, and how we read Paul. And so uh, if, we take, if we take the idea of free will and if we want to take his extremism, then we'd have to say that even the, uh, the, uh, uh, the idea of, choose, of, of accepting the gift, that would be a work, right? I mean, that's doing something. So I don't understand how he can 
hold to both, to be in the extreme in one camp, but then pull back from the extreme in the other camp. Let's listen to his next clip because this is interesting um, how he how he begins to frame this. And hang hang with me here, chat room, because it's so hard to listen to this guy. I, I understand, but we're gonna we're gonna bring this back to Paul because uh, I have three minutes in total. I have three minutes in total of of this guy talking, and at the end he's gonna reference Paul. And this really shows where, uh, you know, his his view of the Bible and how he's framing the Bible, how it comes from. And what I want to do is I want to I want to look at just a so couple of. In other words, don't touch the carcass. Just look at it. <laughs> well, no. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I just, just let it. Go. Yeah. What I, what in I'm trying. You don't want to. You don't want to get. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to uh, acquire uncleanness by ingesting what this guy's saying. Yeah, but at the same time, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show that that uh, this is the same mindset that mainstream Christianity has towards the Bible, which is that they're framing everything through a couple of verses, and they're not, in my opinion, they're not reconciling the rest of the Bible with the verses that they are cherry-picking, right? Right? <laughs> look, look at Rob. Oi vey, I, I, I broke ahead, Rob. I broke let's Rob. This, let's just get this over with. Okay. What the true gospel teaches is that you have to come to Jesus as you are, right? So you come to Jesus in your present state and you're saved, and then God will give you the power to turn from your sins. But whether you do or not, your salvation depends on. Yes. Wait a minute. Did he say what you have to do is come to Jesus as you are? Yes. Would you start that clip over again? Yes. What the true gospel teaches is that you have to come to Jesus as you are. Stop right there. Right? Can we just stop right there? What I heard him say is, to the best of my ability, is what the true gospel says is that you have to come to Jesus just as you are. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Can anybody forget? How, how, how does that even work? How can I come to Jesus just as I am? And for John 1, where it says, who born not of the will of man, nor of the flesh, but of God, how can that scripture be true and what he's saying? How can that, what he's saying, be true? And Paul and Galatians say, who has put the spirit of his son in your hearts, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Yeah, another, Paul it, says, it's not so, me, but, but Messiah who lives in me. How can these scriptures be true if what that guy's saying in that one soundbite, where again, this is what he said, the true gospel is that you have to come to Jesus just as you are. I, that guy's a heretic. Here's okay. So the the, the council here, uh, Judah in the in the chat room says Hebrews six two. The the fundamentals of Messiah faith include repentance from dead works. Dead works equals sin, and I totally agree. I got some I got some verses too. Um, I let me add, let me let me try to frame what you're what you're saying. So what you're saying is that um, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the regeneration, is really what turns us to, to God. He's making, he is being the legalist. 
here's the here's his law though his legalism is this here's you have to come as you are so now you have this category as you are that you cannot change right in other words he's saying you have to there's a thing that has to be that you have to come to Jesus as you are where in the bible does it say in order to be saved you have to come to Jesus just as you are you can't come as you are well Lazarus the- was dead and Yeshua called him and he came to life that's what <laughs> that's what life in Yeshua is is him calling you out of your your trespasses and sins back to what Judah put with Hebrews 6 I think it's in Ephesians we were dead dead in trespasses and sins how can a dead person come to Jesus as a dead person no that's not that's, that guy should not be teaching the scriptures it's just conf- it's like a bunch of gobbledygook and people get it's just I got kind of confused just trying to follow him along the first thing well okay Here, here's the thing here's the other thing that he's neglecting to mention that he's acting like that uh, repentance is this this thing that happens in time boom you're saved and and then and then you know that's it it's like the say the say the altar say the prayer at the altar call and that's the time you know and i agree that there is you know i can point to a very specific time in my life and a very specific day hour minute that i believe the holy spirit turned me to god okay i i had that experience but the thing about all of that is repentance is an ongoing thing. It's not something that happens once in time. Repentance goes hand in hand with sanctification. The sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's a continued work of the Holy Spirit. And you have people on the other end of the spectrum, right, who believe in perfectionism, which is that as soon as you're saved, you become perfect, which also I, I think is unbiblical. But sanctification and repentance is an ongoing work with the help of the Holy Spirit that brings us closer to the Father and and is a continued work, right? A continued work in our life. So I, I mean we don't need to uh we don't need to beat a dead horse with this. Uh let me go well, to what would he say, but what what would he say like to Galatians five? He says the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, hang morality, on. Just a... I, I completely agree with you, but let's listen to him. So I pulled one. I didn't have time to get all the way through the entire thing, and nor did I want to, to be completely frank. But I did uh, listen to him grab one verse and as his foundation for what he's preaching. So let's listen to his foundation. By, by keeping the law plus having faith, by being sinless plus having faith. And when you add faith plus anything else, the Bible says that that equals all works. Okay, Paul explains this in Romans eleven six in a very logical way. He says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. And so Paul says it's one or the other. You know, if you add any amount of works to grace, it's no longer grace. It becomes works. Okay, now this guy's confused. I completely agree with you. He's There's, totally confused. I completely agree. But but this is this is exactly what we were talking about earlier, where a preacher or a or someone will will take they'll cherry pick a couple of verses, and then their entire biblical worldview is seen through the lens of these verses. 
So what this gentleman now has done is he's taken Romans 11.6 and he's let that verse inform him his entire thought process uh, of repentance within the scriptures. And this, in my opinion, and not only that, but he's misinterpreted Romans 11.6. Not the point. Not the point. Um, so here, and this is what I'm talking about. And obviously one of the biggest problems that, that he's going to have is the entire book of, of James, right? I, I don't know what he's going to do with the entire book of James, because not only does the book of James say that the Torah is a good thing and that uh, we, we learn what sin is through the Torah, um, but he talks about works as evidence of true faith. In other words, if you don't have works, if if your faith does not produce works, it's not true repentance. Uh, he says, and this is uh, James 2, 18 through 20, he says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? And here's the thing, is that he is that James, obviously inspired scripture, James brings up this wonderful point that even the demons believe and shudder. So if uh, it seems to me that what this gentleman is, try, is attempting to say is that repentance is simply belief. There's nothing else that goes along with it. If that is the case, then the demons would have faith, right? Wouldn't that mean that the demons are justified then? And of course, I pulled a couple of verses that are in in the uh, in the apostolic scriptures that do talk about. And I mean, you can go through a lot of them that that uh, you know in Acts it says repent and turn. I mean, turn from how what? The, how about the parable the parable of the sower? There's Yeshua says the sower went out to sow. He sows some, you know, here, some here, some there, and some there. There's these four different kind of categories. Well, the first one, the birds come and eat it. Nothing. There's one that falls by the wayside, and it it, it says for joy, it, it sprouts up right away. But then it can't endure. You know, it, it, blow, it shrivels up and blows away. Then there's some that falls in the thorns. Well, it tries, but it is overcome by the thorns, is fruitless. It's only in that fourth category where there's fruit. The point of the sower is that the way, why is the sower sowing? To get the harvest, to get the 30, 60, 100. Not to waste seed on the, right? Not to sit there and, oh, I'm just going to keep throwing all my seed into this, uh, this thorn patch here and see what happens. Maybe next time something different will happen. Oh, no, still, I'm losing all my, I'm down to a, just a couple, you know, a say of seed. <laughs> well, there's the a, is, there's but all... here's the thing. Repentance, why not just say, well, that, that one uh, seed sprouted up right away. That must be repent. It's saved. That, that person saved. Because nothing else mattered. We also have the rich young ruler, right, who comes to Yeshua. And what does he do? He says, you know. I've uh, kept all these things. I've kept he's, all well, these. He asks, what do I, good master, what I need to do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, but what does, he, what does he say? Leave everything and follow me. And the how guy said. How bad do you want it? In other words, it's how the, bad do you want how it? How bad do you want it? And the guy says, no. Well, I don't want it that bad. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be <laughs> considered? It comes down to that. It wouldn't, it, to wouldn't it change? Be, 
change everything about your life. Yeah. And, and wouldn't that be considered a work in this gentleman's viewpoint that to sell everything and follow him, that seems like it does seem like a work, right? But the point is, is that I'm not, and please don't hear me say that I think that, that uh, we're, we're saved by our works. No, salvation, or I should say justification comes through faith alone. So uh, works are evidence of that faith. True repentance brings sanctification. That's all there is to it. Um, and so I want to read just a couple more verses. Let's go back to Scripture, of course. Uh, I took these from the NASB. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 21. And I am afraid that when I come again, my God, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned, who have sinned in the past, and not repented of the impurity, immorality, and sensuality, which they have practiced. So it seems like Paul is obviously equating uh, repentance with not doing these things again. Now, Not only that, he says don't eat with a brother. If they call themselves a brother and they're, they're doing that kind of stuff, don't eat with such a one. Yeah, what, what exactly. Is that, is that in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I think? or no, uh, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, I believe. Yeah, well, it's in that whole section there. Uh, why? What does he mean? Well, wait a minute. Well, I repented. I repented. Now, what, do uh, mean, uh, won't eat, what do you mean you won't eat with me? The obvious rebuttal is going to be this, Rob, and, and, and we should address this. I think the obvious rebuttal is going to be, well, have you sinned since you, since you came to uh, faith or since you came to repentance? Does that mean that you really were repentant of the sin? And once again, this comes back to the idea that repentance is ongoing. It, it, you know, we, discipleship. Yeah, discipleship. We continue to try to turn from sin and reject sin, but we're, we're still, human. Right. We're human, and we still have— He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Yes, Exactly. And then I have another one too. I have Revelation two five, and I, I I initially chose like eight different verses, but I thought that these uh, were pointed. Uh, Revelation two five. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Um, so I think that repentance. Now I understand the idea of of saying that uh, you know if you think those are people who are already inside in right. I mean the know. idea is that yeah. Uh, and the the thing is is that I I got to quit saying that. The thing is I got to quit saying that. I'm I'm starting to hear it myself. I hear it a lot now. Uh, okay, so the point. The reality. The reality. <laughs> the reality. No, I hear that all. <laughs> okay, uh, what I guess what I'm getting at is. If you think that you can gain your salvation by doing good works, if you think that you're going to gain favor in the sight of God because you're uh, keeping the law or because you uh, or because your bloodline has Jewish blood in it or because you have attached yourself to Israel in some way, guess what? That's not how it works. God has chosen the elect, I believe, and I know that people might disagree with that, but the elect are justified through faith in the work of Messiah Yeshua on the cross. But the evidence of that faith is the working out of faith through good works. And I think that this is clearly evident Here's another way in James. It, Caleb. Yeah, but even Paul, because sometimes people will pit Paul against James, as you know. If any man 
is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. If yeah. you're a new creation, you can't be, you can't come as you are. You can't come to Jesus. If you come to Jesus as you are, you're like those Pharisees who didn't believe. You're like the Sadducees. They came, they came and they're talking with him, but they're well armored up in their doctrine and their, and their ability to judge. They came as they are. Hypocrites. Yeah. But if you're, if, if you are in him, you are a new creation. You're not who you used to be. You, you can't be who you are. You can't come to Jesus and stay the same. That's another way to think of it. You can't stay the same. What, what would that be like? That would be like, oh, I'm just, that Jesus is just a picture. He's just, you know, I, I, you know, poster I hang on my wall. My whole room stays the same. I just have this new little picture. And I look at it every once in a while and I smile. It makes me feel good. And then my whole life is just goes on the same. Is that okay? But but isn't that uh, what you what you're saying sounds a lot like a lot of the not only prosperity gospel preachers but also some of the big name preachers. And I'm not trying to pick on anyone specific, but it seems to me like you, what we have is we have the uh, the self help guru mixed with a little bit of of with a with a Bible cover on top, right? You know, Joel Olstein, and I, I'm not trying to judge his, you know, his faith or, or anything like that, but Joel Olstein, what is he doing? He's he's teaching self-help, and then he's pulling out a couple of scriptures from time to time to do it. Now, whether or not, uh, people might be coming to faith through that, and, and that God can do his work however he wants to. But my point is, is that this is feel-good faith. It's not, tr it's not. It's not teaching the the gritty, the nitty gritty of what the word actually says, which is that human sin has brought death into this world, and the only way to get back into communion with God is through the shed blood of the Messiah Yeshua. Because God isn't going to compromise. Because God not cannot compromise on yeah. his on his holiness. Yes. On his righteousness, on his uh, glory, on, on his love. Any all of the, he can't. He's not going to change who he is, right? And but he's not, and he's not going to. Uh, if you're in sin, you can't approach him. That's a. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it's tough listening to that because I feel like I I feel for the people who are listening to that that they're like, it's kind of numbifying, and then it almost creates a barrier where they're going to like build in trigger. Like if someone even mentions like the Shabbat or all of a sudden they're going to have this, this reaction. No. Oh, shh. Uh, heretic. How can you even suggest the Shabbat? You think I'm trying to earn my salvation before God? Oh my, how dare you even bring that? And now all of a sudden you just can't talk about that. Can't talk about that. And it, the person gets closed down. So, um, so yeah, we need to, the, the solution to people misreading Paul is to understand Paul yourself and to be able to explain back to them. You know, that's the solution. The solution is knowing your scriptures better. And that only, you can't get that in the drive-thru. Yeah. You can't order it, the, order it at the microphone and drive up and pay your money and have all that. I'll take right? Hebrew competency for uh, five ninety nine. Okay, you out there in comic land, draw a cop, you know. Yeah, I want... Uh, Hebrew word pictures. No, <laughs> I want, you know, da da da, Aramaic Bible, and I want to pick it up the window. And I don't want anybody to tell me otherwise. 
I'll take a six-piece olive tov. Okay. Um, no, but discernment, where do we get discernment? We only get discernment back to the Proverbs 6 that we that Gary posted for us. It's it's such a beautiful thing. And you can tell us but the reason I'm, uh, I've been thinking about it uh, is, where did it go? Okay. Ki ner mitzvah, that's Proverbs 6, 23. Ner mitzvah, the mitzvah is a lamp. That means when you do when you do a commandment, now, the mitzvah means you're doing it according to God's will. It's not your own invention of the commandment. But when you do a mitzvah, when you do the will of God, that is a lamp in the world, and the Torah is a, it's the light. And there's an instruction, which is the Torah, is light. There's light that comes out of that into the world. That's what Yeshua means when he quotes, Therefore, let your light shine before men, right? And they'll see your good works, and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. They, you're, they don't glorify you. Because you doing it is just like the lamp. The light is, is points back to God. But it says, Derek Chaim, the way of life, tochot musar, the, the re- rebukes of discipline, the rebuke of, of correction. That's the part that takes time. We don't, you, you know, I get corrected one time. And then for the rest of my life, I'm on the right direction. No, we yeah, know that no. that's not even true. I mean, not to use old cliches, but it's a good lesson. The airplane that's flying to Hawaii, for example, or the ship that's that's going by water, it's always correcting, right? It that airplane is. There's times where it's not aiming right towards Hawaii, right? It's got a, it. It has its whole course, but it gets there because it's always making adjustments along the way. That's the Derek Chaim. That's the path of our life. We walk step by step, and we get corrected, and we make corrections. And the more we grow in discernment, the more we grow in knowledge of the Word of God, the more wisdom that we acquire through our humble acceptance of wisdom of those who've gone before us, then our our path becomes more and more light-filled. We see more and more clearly. Our map matches reality more and more. And and we, we just grow in joy and knowledge of what it means to be a son of God, we, to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, and that's, that's a joy for us. But it's not, it's not like, boom, you're there. It's a, a discipleship, it's just, you know, just like a tree, right? Yeah. Yeshua uses the tree, the seed, it grows, right? Even in the, we talked about the parable, was it Mark 4, of the parable of the sower, it's not that it's not that those seeds fell in that good ground and boom, all of a sudden you had a hundredfold harvest, right? Yeah. No, I mean there was a whole season goes by where it grows, and it uh, and produces fruit, right? Yeah, and and so and you think about trees, which in Psalm ninety two they planted in the house of Adonai, those are huge trees. They take, they've they've endured so many storms, they've endured so many dry periods and rain and. And they continue to live, right? That's what we're talking about. That's what it means to be in Yeshua. Okay. This topic is uh, an, an interesting one and a good one. And if you want to uh, comment on it, then please uh, go ahead and do so. You can do that by giving us a call, 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you one more time. It's 253-465-3205. Also, you can send us emails, cheg at torresource.com. And please... Send your emails because they really do help. We've uh, we've structured our shows around uh, a lot of the emails that we get. You don't have to agree with us at all. 
send us stuff that you think that we'll disagree with and we'll we'll try to talk about it um and yeah a big thank you to the chat room don't forget about uh, the chat room we love you guys and thank you so much for being a part of our show and and helping helping us in uh, our endeavors and of course don't forget that show 177 was co-produced by messianicradio.com java messianic radio go there for all sorts of great music music that does one specific thing and that is glorify our great god and savior yeshua the messiah <laughs>